So it's the 8th of April, 2021. And if we contemplate, reflect well, then we'll see that being born into this world, it's not something easy, gaining the body of a human. But we actually see that there are many, many um, people with human uh, bodies in this world, but those who have morality, who have goodness inside them, who have a mind that is full of goodness, that is uh, complete. This is something that's more and more difficult to find. And we could give a comparison to just how hard it is to be born as a human. You could say that in the great ocean, in this very vast ocean, there's one single turtle living there. And this turtle, it can't see anything, it's blind. And it stays under the water for a very long time, just once every a hundred years it comes up to surface. And there's one bamboo stick in this ocean, and it has a single hole in it. And it's floating around on the surface, getting blown about by the winds from the four directions. And so the chance for this turtle to surface and for it to stick its head through this hole in the bamboo stick. Or just how difficult would that be? What's the chance of that happening? And so being born as a human within a mind, having the mind of a human is difficult in this way. We see that there are more and more human bodies appearing in this world, but those with human minds are steadily decreasing. And there was a time at Wat Nombapong that Lumpucha was giving a talk. His disciples, lay disciples, had come to the monastery to take the eight precepts on the Lunar Observance Day. And he'd been teaching them for many, many years by that point. And so he asked them, how many of you here um, are determined to keep the five precepts for the rest of your life? Is there anyone? And all the lay people sitting there, they just kind of looked down to the left, to the right. They all avoided eye contact. And he asked, is there anyone here? Anyone who's willing to keep them to um, determine these five precepts for the rest of your life? And there wasn't anyone. And see, it's difficult. And these were people who would come to the monastery every Lunar Observance Day to practice. And still, none of them were up for it, for keeping these precepts for the rest of their life. So for us getting born, um, we've actually been born many, many times already. We can't count the number of lives and for each Buddha to come and develop their paramis to gain awakening, it takes an extremely long time. There's 20 asankayas, these incalculable periods, and 100,000 kalpas. And uh, once they get their prediction, uh, it's a longer period than that even. And we see that there are huge numbers of Buddhas that appeared before our Buddha, before Gotama Buddha. And the 
the number of times that each person has been born is extremely long. There are so many lifetimes that we've been spinning about. These minds have been tossed about in the cycle of Sangsara for such a very long time now. And in each birth, each life, we experience difficulty, stress, and suffering in all of those lives. And in no single life have we met with true happiness. We get born into life and we have to shoulder these five khandas. We have to carry about this body and feelings and perceptions or memory, mental formation, sense consciousness. And we attach to all of these things in this way. For humans, we have both happiness and suffering. It's not that we only suffer, but for the minds that have fallen below this level into hell or as a hungry ghost, uh, then it's very difficult. There's a lot of suffering. These hungry ghosts are always hungry. The Asura guys, they're constantly afraid. And animals, well, we see them around us. We know the kind of difficulty that they go through that they have to always be cautious, always afraid. You see, in some countries uh, where there are forest fires, then the animals try to escape from those fires, but sometimes there's no way out. They can't find any way to, to get freed from the fire. And so they go looking for humans to help them, and even though they have this instinct to be terrified of humans, uh, because they don't want to get eaten by them, they don't want to get caught by them, but they can't find a way out of the fire. So they have to uh, get some help. And sometimes these animals are fortunate that they meet with a true human, someone who's human in mind as well, and they can help them to be freed from the pain of this fire. But it's abnormal for them to do this. They usually don't want to be close to humans because they're afraid of their, for their lives. So for humans we have both pleasure and pain, and uh, we're lucky to gain the body of a human. And uh, some people can ask, well, when was our first life? We have this life, and then the life before that, what was that like? You see, all these lives that we have, they're very, very thick. They overlay each other. And so we could give a comparison to, say, if there's a 50-meter-wide ball of thread. And that ball, it has two ends to it. But if we take it and we tangle it all up, then how difficult would it be to find those ends? And when would we be able to, to reach or to see them. So the cycle of samsara is extremely long, and if we're wanting to look for our first birth, we just can't find that. That we've been tossed around getting born and dying so many times, and we don't know when it'll finish either, in which life. It goes on for such an incredibly long time. There was a child who asked me, well, who was the first person to be born? Uh, that there was someone, but they must have had parents, and they must have had parents. And so I said, well, if there's one needle that's dropped in the entire ocean, in the, the very vast ocean, would you be able to find it? And if you did uh, manage to find it, 
it wouldn't give you any benefit, would it? So it's better to look at this present life, better to focus on building up goodness, on caring for and having respect for your parents. It's better to bring up or to maintain morality and to put effort into your study because these things will give you benefit in this present moment, in this present life. So this is something that we don't really need to concern ourselves with. How long we've been in Sangsara? When was our first birth here? Uh, because it just goes on and on. And even the Buddha, he gained this knowledge to recollect his previous lives, but he still wasn't able to find the first life. It just went on without end. There were just such an extreme amount of lives. And for us, if we don't uh, extract the defilements from our hearts, then we'll carry on spinning around in the cycle without end. And we don't know when it's going to stop. And our minds, they're just unable to fathom these things. And just like the mind that's in jhana and the special abilities that it can um, obtain in that state, it's something that we just can't think about, we can't comprehend. And if we try to think about it, then we'll go crazy. All of the uh, abilities of a fully awakened Buddha, we just can't comprehend those abilities. And if we try to think about it, then we'll go crazy. So it's better to look at this life and this present moment. And better to look at the suffering that we're experiencing in our hearts right now and ask, what is that suffering? And if we attach to anything, if we attach to um, these bodies, if we attach to feelings, to perceptions, to mental formations, to sense consciousness, then this brings us difficulty. Whenever or from the moment that we were born, the mind receives these things and then it attaches to them and is always experiencing stress without end. And why is that? Because sometimes we wish to get something, but we don't get that, and so suffering arises. Sometimes we have to be with people that we don't like, and so suffering arises. Sometimes we do get the things that we like. We get objects or wealth, or we are around people that we do like, but we have to be separated from those things, and so suffering arises. We can also see the truth of this body, that even though right now it may be strong, but all around us we can notice that there are sick people, there are old people, there are some people who don't have any teeth left, or some people who have problems with their teeth, and it's giving them much pain. And so this pain, this sickness, there in the body, this is a cause of suffering. And the suffering, this dukkha, it's a noble truth. Old age, sickness, pain, death. And then when we have a body, then we have to be concerned and fearful about these bodies. Um, have to, or we're afraid that they'll die, we're afraid that they'll go through pain. And so all we get is just stress and just that. So like when we do the morning chanting, then the Dhamma is there complete within that chanting. And what it tells us, those verses, is that the suffering that we get uh, from attaching to these five khandas, these five aggregates, to being attracted towards things, to being averse towards things, these both bring us suffering. And sometimes we may um, experience goodness 
but if and we may be very happy by that but if we attach to that then problems can arise it's just like how if there's a poisonous snake there and even though we may hold on to its tail it will still come around and bite us all the same so if there's a lot of happiness but we attach to that happiness then this will be a cause for suffering some people get too delighted and they have a heart attack some people get too upset and they also have a heart attack. These things are possible. So if we have a look and we see, or we see that the mind in its normal state, that if we're just at our ease, then things aren't heavy. But it's when we go and attach to things, when we pick things up, even if we pick up things that we like, then we experience heaviness. So we attach to things and we hold on to them just like a rock, a one kilogram rock. And if we go and pick that up and we cling to it, then it's heavy. And these five khandas, they're all like rocks. And we lift them up, we pick them up, and we take them wherever we go. And if we do that, if we carry around all these rocks with us, if we shoulder this burden constantly, will we experience happiness? Will we experience suffering? And so for someone to be at ease, um, then whether they're sitting or whether they're walking, then they don't lift these things. But if someone feels like they have the duty, if they must carry these things around with them, then whether they sit or whether they walk, whether they stand up, would they be able to take all that weight? It brings a lot of difficulties, a lot of problems, um, a lot of pain, but they feel like they must carry these things around. So just how much difficulty and suffering will they experience not being able to put any of these things down? And so these are people who don't have wisdom. And they carry on carrying all this weight, being burdened, until the very day that they die. It's like we go into a forest and we find a five kilogram chunk of gold. What would we do with it? We try to pick it up and carry it out of that because we see it has so much value even if we need to go through a lot of pain and difficulty, but still we'll feel like we have to try and carry it out. And uh, our happiness is like that. Suffering is something we don't want, but we carry both of these things. We carry both our happiness and our suffering, and they're both very heavy things. The arahants are those who have seen that these things are heavy, and they've reflected so they're able to put them down. They're able to drop all of these things. They see that the sense of self, it's just too heavy. And uh, we've been attaching to it for such a very long time now. But they've also seen that there isn't actually a self there. So it's better to not hold on to a self. Even things that are of great value, they're still heavy. And it's better not to carry them at all. And it's lighter that way. So even though it may still attach to some things, being able to contemplate in this way allows us to lighten our burdens, to put things down. And as we carry on contemplating and doing this over and over, then we carry on seeing things with more and more clarity. The, the things that we attach to really are heavy. We see that this body that we carry around, this is something heavy. We see that all mentality, these things just arise, stay for a bit, and cease. There's no true me 
or mine about them. And through contemplating in this way, we're able to extract the attachments that we have and we're able to experience emptiness from these conventions, experience this temporary vimuti or liberation. And here the heart becomes peaceful. And when it gathers together into neighborhood concentration, then we can come to contemplate again and gain even greater clarity. As we carry on doing this, the heart becomes more and more empty. So we do this frequently, do it constantly, see the arising and ceasing of things, and so able to abandon that which we once carried around with us. And we can put these things down temporarily. The mind gathers into samadhi and it gains stillness and peace, and we're able to put these things down temporarily. But it's not a permanent abandonment. It's just the suppression of the kilesas through peace of mind, through stability, through samadhi. Some people can get into very deep levels of absorption of jhana, and they think that they don't have any kilesas anymore, but really what's happened is that samadhi is just suppressing these, and when they go out from the state of samadhi, then they go and attach all over again. So the Buddha taught us to contemplate, taught us to look into this nature of carrying things around and see that these things are anatta, and through doing this you can attain. And uh, the disciples of the Buddha, they were able to practice in this way because their samadhi was already full. Just like the three Kasapa brothers and all of their followers, they could all attain to the state of arahantship, and they no longer carried around these heavy burdens. They were able to put them all down because they saw that all of the five khandas are heavy things. They're a suffering, they're a source of suffering that people carry around in this world. So they put them all down. But if there was someone who didn't see this, then they'd carry them around and they'd experience that suffering. But the arahants are those who don't attach anymore. And they followed um, this path, this path of sila, samadhi, and banya, and that's what taken them to uh, the state of full awakening. Um, they've put out the fire of their defilements already. And uh, the fully awakened Buddha, he was also an arahant. He put out the defilements in his heart, and he's able to attain to the state by his own efforts. Uh, but he also taught this path that can take us to this as well, to abandoning our attachments too. So if the Buddha was able to destroy all the defilements in this world, he would have done so already. Uh, but he's not capable of doing this. This is something that all beings have to do for themselves. It's something that we have to volunteer by ourselves to do. The Buddha taught this path, however, he told us, don't carry these things around. Don't suffer in this way. All these things are inconstant. They're not sure. They're stressful. They're not self. Contemplate in this way. See that these things are inconstant. See that they arise, they stay for just a bit, and they pass away. None of these things are you. None of these things are yours. He taught us in this way. So as we practice uh, steadily, but surely, then we start to realize this. And even though in the beginning it may be very difficult, um, and that's because of the thickness and of these wrong views of these defilements and just how sticky they are. 
you still have this conceit. And it's only the arahants who are able to fully abandon conceit. We attach to me and mine. We still have the sense of self. But in the beginning, um, I ask for all of you to use the sense of self that you still attach to, to build up goodness, to keep the precepts. Use that self to see arising and ceasing. There's still a self there doing these things, but don't worry about it. If you attach and say that, or think that you're better than other people, equal to other people, worse than other people, don't worry about that. Just see that these things are natural. These things arise and cease. Everything arises and ceases. All material things arise and cease. All mental things arise and cease. They're not really there. So we take it in this way first. And uh, what we need to practice with first is destroying these three uh, lower fetters, these three things that bind over the heart. Uh, of Sakaya Ditti, of self-view, of Silabhata Bharamasa, this attachment to rites and rituals, and Vichikicha, skeptical doubt. That if we can destroy this first barrier of these three fetters, then it won't take long for the next ones to fall. And they say that at most it'll be no longer than eight lives, that there won't be an eighth life, rather. Uh, but if we don't destroy these things, then it can be an extremely long time that we are stuck in the cycle. Especially if we fall to the lower realms, that we don't know when we'll have the opportunity to come back up again. We don't know when we'll be able to meet with the Buddhist sasana, to practice the Dhamma, to listen to the Buddha's teachings. If we fall down into the realms of a hungry ghost or into hell or as an animal, then we don't know when we'll be able to come back up again. But in this life, we do know that we've had the fortune to meet with the teachings of the Buddha. So this shows that we've got a lot of merit. Whether we're Thais, whether we're from overseas, we have a great amount of merit to come and practice together like this, to be able to listen to these teachings. And some people, they're very far away, but they're still able to come and to listen to these teachings. So these five khandas, these five aggregates, are heavy things. So we should learn how to put them down. And heaviness, um, these are the things that we should abandon. We should put these things down. And if we do that, then we won't have anything to fear. Uh, but if we attach to them, uh, then they are very heavy. So it's the nature um, for us after we've been born, that we need to get old, we need to grow sick, we need to die. And these things are normal. These things are completely normal. We should understand that that's the way that it is, that this is a natural law of the universe. But what we should focus on is cutting out these defilements, is seeing arising and ceasing, is giving rise to wisdom. But this wisdom for its arising depends upon samadhi, and this in turn depends upon constant mindfulness. So we should bring our minds to stillness. And if they're very scattered, then we chant a lot. We go over this chant of Itipiso many times. And if they're not yet still, if they're not yet peaceful, then we need to do this. And for monks, even though externally we may be very well restrained, but internally the mind can be thinking about a whole manner of things. 
It can just carry on without stopping. So we need to set aside time to sit in meditation and uh, to bring the mind to stillness. And if there's a lot of thoughts, we need to keep ourselves with the meditation object because we are meditation monks. Just like how there are monks who study Pali and they need to go over what they've learned to be reciting these Pali formulas and the rules of Pali grammar. And uh, they're keeping their mind with the memory of the Buddha's teachings. Uh, but for Kamatana monks, we kind of shorten things, we make things more brief and stay with these meditation objects which bring the mind to peace. So we can chant to be so, for instance, bringing the mind to stillness and to peace, where joy arises, there's a fullness of heart, and samadhi can come up. And this samadhi, it develops into wisdom. We're able to, con- or rather, otherwise, we can contemplate and look into inconstancy, stress, and not self. And the mind becomes very bright, and true wisdom can arise. And we can see into the nature of conventions, and the mind becomes liberated. But in order to reach this, we do need to train. We shouldn't be heedless. We should put in our efforts and do this every single day. And in the end, um, then the things that we've been carrying around, the things that have caused us suffering, we'll be able to put these things down, and wisdom arises. We'll see that whatever we attach to, that becomes a source of suffering right there. But when we contemplate, then we can put these things down. It may be temporary, it may be a freedom from suffering that just arises temporarily, but it's still something that we do experience. We attach, and then we put these things down. If there's anger, then we should cultivate metta to bring about freedom from that anger. And then next, this anger comes up again, and what that shows us is that we're attaching again. There's a sense of self that comes, that's coming up once again. Or if we like something, then there's a me and a mine there. So we always need to be contemplating, we always need to be doing this every single day. Ask ourselves, where is this me? If we love something, we hate something, we fear about something, we should see that really those things aren't actually there. It's just physicality and mentality arising and ceasing. And once we can see in that way, then we become at ease. So we do have to struggle like this. If our sila, samadhi, and panya is strong, then it's able to overcome these uh, delusions. But if delusion is strong, and sila, samadhi, and panya are weak, then it has the upper hand, and we're not able to defeat it. So we need to endure at this times and know that right now it's quite difficult, and we just forbear with it. And uh, we bide our time, waiting until we can uh, strike back. We uh, put in our efforts to chanting, to bringing up these mantras, to contemplating into inconstancy, stress, and not self. Do things in this way constantly. If some days we're feeling very lazy, and we just don't want to chant, we don't want to sit in meditation, then we should forbear and do it all the same. If we're lazy, then we practice. If we're feeling enthusiastic, then we practice. We don't just throw out our efforts, but we always try to train our minds and do this consistently. If our efforts are very weak, or if they're too weak, then people ask, are we able to experience uh, the path, the paths and the fruits? 
It's like how there is fire within two pieces of metal. But if we don't strike those against each other, then that fire can't arise. Or if we do strike them, but we stop prematurely, then that fire can't arise. And in the same way, there's this Buddha nature here within our hearts. But if we don't seek this inner Buddha out, we won't ever meet with it. And so it depends upon our efforts. We need to train ourselves, need to have efforts, need to look at our own minds. And if we're feeling lazy, if we don't want to chant, then we should chant even more than we did before. We don't allow this laziness to take control. If we don't want to chant it to be so, and normally we chanted through this 108 times for one round, then we do it for two rounds. If before we did it normally for three rounds a day, then on the days we're feeling lazy, we do it four rounds or five rounds. Or if we normally did it five rounds, then we do even more. We cut away at the defilements like this, we go against them like this, and they'll become afraid of us. They won't want to be lazy. They'll think, oh, it's, it's enough. You know, what I chant already, that's enough. And uh, they won't want to give rise to laziness. So we need to know all of these emotions as they are appearing. And we need to know how to practice with them. If on the days that we are feeling energetic and we do our practice, then we should know how to praise ourselves as well. And tell ourselves we're someone who has faith and that we have the effort to do these things. If we're feeling lazy, then we give ourselves a little bit of a punishment. So we know how to practice. How to bring up our efforts continuously. But it's also normal for there to be these unskillful emotions that arise, thoughts that are good and thoughts that are bad. And this is avijja giving rise to sankhara, uh, to these proliferations. And so we just don't worry about them. We don't allow them to become a source of concern. And we see that if these thoughts really were me, if they really were mine, then we'd be able to control them, right? And we don't want to think about bad things. We just want to think good thoughts, thoughts that will bring us ease. But we're not able to control them in that way because it's a vija that's producing them. So we just know that these things are not sure. These things are inconstant. We don't attach to them. Because if we do attach to these bad thoughts, then they become bad karma. So we know that there's no me, there's no mind there, and we let go. We just clear them away like this. Just like how if there's a thorn on a path, we use our foot to clear that away. We don't step on it. And if we don't step on it, then it can't cause us any harm. Or if we pick up, or if there's like a sharp object and uh, we pick it up, but we don't pick it up by its blade, then it can't hurt us. And so thoughts that aren't good, we just toss them away. We don't attach to them. And why do we do that? Well, because we see that if we attach, then this will be a sense of self that's arising. But if we let them go, then we experience peace. And when we're in a calm state, then we're able to see arising and ceasing. We're able to see into Nibbana, into inconstancy, stress, and not self. And see how things, all things are stressful, all things are impermanent and always changing, that they deteriorate, and we see this clearly. And the heart then becomes firm through seeing Nibbāna, clearly seeing into the Dhamma. 
In the beginning, it's possible for us to see in this way. For lay people, it's possible. If you're really intent, if you're sincere in your practice, building up goodness, keeping sila, these precepts, and looking into arising and ceasing consistently. Having nibbana as the object of the mind, always there in the mind, wanting to gain freedom from suffering. And if we can do this, then it shows that we have the barami of asotapana already. We can see into the dhamma to one degree already. And so we carry on training in this way until, uh, and we do this every single day, constantly cutting away the things that bind over our hearts, doing this little by little. I'm cutting away, cutting away every single day. And through this, the mind becomes more and more empty. It becomes very spacious and at ease. And we see clearly that there isn't really a self there. And through doing that, then we know the Dhamma. When we see into this, it's something that's quite easy. But it's before that, it's before that seeing that we need to bring up our endurance. And we shouldn't become disheartened. We carry on doing it and carry on going without stop. Um, putting our sincere intention into this practice without stopping, not becoming disheartened. And so may you all set your hearts in this way.